Hey, two things of a personal note before I kind of get started in the sermon. One is, I, I think this is the grossest last Sunday as a family with us. Now, if y'all show up again, I'm, I'm just not going to acknowledge you, okay? But uh, Stephen's here this weekend, and so uh, we just want them to know how much we love them and pray for them uh, <laughs> as the whole family gets to Eastland. Uh, the second thing, and this is just shameless of me, Papa D and Nan had their seventh grandchild yesterday, and so Hayden and Kelsey had uh, Skylar Ray Smith, 10-20 yesterday morning, weighing in at seven pounds, 13 ounces, 20 and three-quarter inches long. Everybody's doing good. If you want to see pictures, you can come forward during the invitation time, okay? And I'll show you on my phone. You know, for... Uh, for some of the characters that we encounter in the New Testament, uh, we don't really know how their story ended up. In fact, uh, it will be one of those things that we will have to look forward to in eternity because we're going to hear, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. And so, but it's kind of interesting, you know, you read through these these the New Testament and you see these characters that emerge and you go I wonder what happened to what was the full story behind and for us this morning Nicodemus is that character that quite honestly we don't know how does the story end in Nicodemus's life there are three scriptures all in the Gospel of John that uh, record episodes that involve Nicodemus. Uh, and we're going to read each one of those. But I want to I draw some, some big picture uh, ideas at the start. And the thing that strikes me when you put the three episodes together is how Nicodemus contrasts with Jesus. Um... And it's kind of interesting, and we'll, we will see that. But Nicodemus is a man of position. He is a ruler among the Jews. In fact, Jesus calls him the teacher of Israel, or the teacher of the Jews. Uh, well, it's actually of Israel. The teacher of Israel. So Nicodemus has position. Think about Jesus. Jesus had no position. Nicodemus also had prominence. It was clear because of his position and uh, being a Pharisee and everything else about his life, he must have, have, have come from a prominent family. He had prominence. You think about Jesus. Hmm. Doesn't come from a prominent family at all. Nicodemus, surely because of his position, his prominence would have been a man of wealth. In fact, we're going to see at the end of the story, he, he has a lavish gift that he gives. And it would have been a very expensive gift. Uh, Nicodemus was a man of wealth. Think about Jesus. Didn't even have any place to lay his head. Um... Nicodemus was a man who had a reputation or an image. He was a Pharisee. 
Uh, the Pharisees were known for being strict adherents to the Jewish law. So there would have been a certain image that, uh, or reputation that Nicodemus had. Um, I don't think we get that sense from Jesus, certainly not at the start of his ministry. The other contrast to me, and it plays into the first passage that we're going to read, which is in John 3, is surely Nicodemus was an older man. And we don't know exactly when John 3 occurs, but if it's at the start of Jesus' ministry, Jesus is 30 years of age. And Nicodemus is this old man, or an older man at least. So Nicodemus is a man of position, prominence, wealth, reputation, and of age. He had years behind him in the life that he had built. The first time we encounter Nicodemus is in John chapter 3, and it's a scripture that many of you will know. Um, and notice what it says. In John 3, starting in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 12. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? This is the first episode. It's recorded in the scriptures about Nicodemus. And it is a nighttime encounter conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus. In John's Gospel, it records that Nicodemus is a Pharisee in verse 1. He is a ruler of the Jews, which would have denoted he was a part of the Sanhedrin, the ruling uh, council of 70. Uh, so he is a man of position, of prominence. He has a certain image and reputation. Uh, in verse 2, we are told that Nicodemus comes at night. In fact, interestingly enough, when we read 
the, the second and the third episodes that relate to Nicodemus, John will record this again, that this is the man that came to Jesus first at night. Partly you might say, well, Nicodemus came at night uh, because he wanted a private meeting with Jesus, and I think that's a legitimate uh, conclusion we can draw. Uh, there is a sense, though, that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, not only for a private meeting, but because he is concerned about what people will think seeing him come talk to this young, upstart rabbi. He denotes and he relates to Jesus in verse 2 that he has seen the signs. He knows that Jesus performs miracles. Um, I think it denotes that Nicodemus is genuinely seeking to know about Jesus. I don't think he's trying to entrap Jesus like sometimes the Pharisees do. I think he is genuinely coming to say, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure you out. I, I want to know what you're about. What Jesus says to him is so revealing because Jesus' statement to Nicodemus is that you must be born again. Uh, what does that imply? Well, one of the things that it implies is Nicodemus was not born again. What does that bring us to? Well, when a person is born again, then uh, that God has come and spiritually given birth to them, and that becomes the basis of their relationship and their connection with God. What is, what is the point then? Nicodemus did not have that kind of connection with God. So what was Nicodemus doing? Nicodemus was living out his own pursuit of God in his own strength and in his own flesh. And I think he would have, he would have had a great reputation, was a man uh, that would have been considered by those around him as, as doing a great job, as righteous a man as you could have found. The second passage that Nicodemus is uh, mentioned in is in John chapter 7. Um, I wanted to say from John chapter 3, the conclusion I draw from that episode is that Nicodemus was curious, but he was not converted. Nicodemus, I believe, was genuinely curious about Jesus, but at least at this point, he was not converted. He had not been born again. When we come to the second episode in John 7, starting in verse 45, the conclusion I draw from this passage is that Nicodemus is sympathetic, but not fully in. You can see the way the episode and the dialogue is recorded here that Nicodemus is going to be sympathetic to Christ, but he's not fully in. So in, in John chapter 7, starting in verse 45, this is an episode in which the religious leaders, Jesus' prominence, his popularity has grown, and the religious leaders, when he came to Jerusalem, sent officers go, to go to arrest him, get your hands on him, drag him in here for interrogation. It says in verse 45, Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees, who said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, 
no man ever spoke like this man. <laughs> I love that. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have, you, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Here it is in verse 50. Nicodemus, John says parenthetically, he who came to Jesus by night. So that's very significant in John's reckoning. And then I think this, this second phrase also, being one of them. Said to them, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. So there is this uh, discussion among the powers that be about Jesus. And at least at this point, Nicodemus interjects a sympathetic statement. And it's, it's just kind of a procedural note. It's like, well, shouldn't we actually hear from this man before we condemn him? But if you notice in the story that even though Nicodemus is sympathetic to Jesus, it's not like that Nicodemus stands up and says, listen, I'm one of his followers. I believe in him. I believe he is the Messiah who's been sent from God. No. But at least at this point, he at least says something. Even if it is of a, a, just a procedural point, he is sympathetic, but not fully in. Now, we're going to come to one final passage in John chapter 19. And some time has passed between John 7 in John 19. I want you to know that because Nicodemus is uh, in the position that he is in, he is a part of the Sanhedrin, he is a part of the powers that be. In fact, that is that statement that John makes in, in John 7 when he says, being one of them. At this point, he, no, he, is, he is a Pharisee, he is a ruler of the Jews, he is one of the Sanhedrin the sort of supreme court, religious court of their day. I want you to understand, if you think about the gospel and the way Jesus' life plays out, understand what Nicodemus would have been aware of, particularly towards the end of Jesus' life. Think about this. Nicodemus surely was there, had to be, or at least was aware that one of Jesus' disciples come in, comes in, Judas, and is willing to betray Jesus. Now, I don't know if you can put yourself in Nicodemus's position at this point. But as I think and as I read Nicodemus' story, there is some tension in my mind and my heart. Nicodemus has come curious at first. He has made a sympathetic statement. It, it's, it's as if his heart is open to the fact that Jesus may really be 
who they say he is. But these, the deliberative body that he is a part of is working towards his demise. And Judas would have come in and they would have promised him 30 pieces of silver to betray him. Surely Nicodemus was either around or he was aware of the time when Jesus is brought in after he has been arrested in the garden and is brought before the powers that be. Nicodemus either was around, he was there, or he was aware of the trial of Jesus before the religious leaders. Nicodemus would have been aware, he would have been at least around or at least aware if not a part of condemning Jesus to die on a cross and would have been aware if not around when Jesus died was crucified you understand he is a part of the powers that be no he, he's in the mix he is a part of the establishment he knows what is going on and in my mind in my heart there is this tension in Nicodemus, I don't know if you sense it, but Nicodemus is like, what am I going to do? And we come to the final episode in which Nicodemus, uh, his name is mentioned. And it's in John 19, verse 38. He's not mentioned in 38, but I want to pick up the story there. And you're going to understand where we are. John 19, 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. Where did he take it from? He took it from the place of crucifixion, we're actually told later, well, it says in verse 42 that the tomb was nearby. He takes it to a tomb. <clears throat> verse 39, only recorded in John's gospel, and Nicodemus, <laughs> says it again, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds then they Joseph and Nicodemus took the body of Jesus where from the place of crucifixion and bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury in the first episode Nicodemus is curious but not converted in the second episode, Nicodemus is supportive, is, is sympathetic, but not fully in. In this episode, I would condense it down by saying that Nicodemus was supportive, but secretly. You still get the sense that Nicodemus is not all the way in. Uh... I really believe that the description 
that John gives to Joseph of Arimathea also applies to Nicodemus. He says in verse 38 that Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. I believe at this point in in Nicodemus' life, uh, he is a secret disciple. Uh, he, is, he is supportive in the sense that he gives a, a over-the-top gift to the burial of Jesus, a hundred pounds of the spices. And I, don't, I don't know a lot about this, but what I, what I read about ancient history, to apply a hundred pounds of spices to a man's body is not only expensive, but it is... It is uh, it is extravagant. This is the amount that would have been used for a very wealthy person. Do you know why you anoint a body with, with spices? Because when it decays, you want to cover up the stench. Uh, I didn't mean to get too graphic this morning, but that, that's it. And it's like, it, and it seems kind of silly to us, but it's like, oh, the wealthier you are, the more spices we can put on, the stench is not going to hit as soon as it would for the poor man. I'm sorry, that's just Daryl Smith's brain working. I'm sorry, doesn't have anything to do with anything. But I'm saying this is an extravagant, over-the-top gift that Nicodemus gives. Supportive, but secretly. So how does the story of Nicodemus then end? Because in my mind, we're left at the end of those three episodes with this tension, like, so what? What happened to Nicodemus? My conjecture is that we're going to get to hear the story of Nicodemus in heaven because my conjecture is that Nicodemus at some point crosses the line of faith. And there's two reasons I say that. One is that his story is told. Why would you tell the story of a man, John, an old man who's writing sort of a supplemental gospel to Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Why do you tell the story of a man who didn't, didn't ever cross the line of faith? It's like, why, why do you want to talk about Nicodemus? The dude, the dude never had the courage to step up and follow Christ. I, I think it, it is a logical assumption or conjecture to say he must have crossed the line of faith because his story is told. The other thing is that his name is used. Uh, Sometimes the gospel writers have a story of somebody. Uh, uh, The rich young ruler. Uh, I don't think the rich young ruler ever crossed the line of faith and one of the rationales I would have for that, he doesn't have a name. If he was a known quantity to the early community of believers, you would have said, Joe, whatever his name was. No, he's just the rich young ruler. Uh, I would say Simon of Cyrene, who carries the cross of Jesus. We don't know how his story comes out either. But you go, no, they used his name. He carried the cross of Jesus. I think Simon of Cyrene becomes a believer. He crosses the line of faith. I believe Nicodemus crosses the line of faith 
because his story is told and his name is given. And you know, I, I, I don't know this, but I mean, when we get there, we'll all sit down as a church family and say, hey, can we just have a time with Nicodemus? Because our pastor talked about this in 2020. And we just kind of wanted to have a little kumbaya moment for just Huntington First Baptist. And we wanted to hear from Nicodemus because our pastor said this, and we think he was a little bit off. We want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Amen. Somebody said amen. Yeah, I heard that. I believe it was after the resurrection. No, think about it. Nicodemus, he's in the know. He's around. I think not only at the crucifixion, but he literally buries the body of Jesus. What happened? On that Sunday, the the guards came. To whom? To the powers that be and said, listen, man, there were angels. There was earthquake. I'm just telling you, we fell out. When we woke up, man, it's... The door's open, man. There's nobody there. Who would have heard that story? Nicodemus. It's not recorded. You know what Nicodemus did that Sunday? No, he went there. No, he had been there. He'd brought the hundred pounds spices he had buried the body of Jesus he knew where that tomb was and he went to that place and Jesus was not there I believe the resurrection of Jesus becomes the tipping point that Nicodemus could not hold back any further and you know what I believe Nicodemus did he walked away from his life that he had to the life that Jesus had for him. I don't know. Do you realize that what Nicodemus had to overcome was a challenging circumstance? And I know this really sounds off the wall, but for some people it fits. Do you know what Nicodemus had to overcome? He had to overcome his life of position, prominence, wealth, image, and reputation in order to follow Christ. You know, I guess people walk away from all kinds of lives, but I don't know if you've thought about this. Some people's challenging circumstance is that they have to walk away from a life that everyone would say, you had it all. Nicodemus had to walk away from his old life. That's what he he overcame. I think that was the struggle in Nicodemus' life. I know this is also another plug. The chosen Nicodemus is, if you, how many of y'all have watched this, The Chosen? No, Nicodemus is, in, I guess probably episode one, Nicodemus is introduced, and I don't know how they're going to play it out, but you begin to see this, did Nicodemus have the courage to walk away from all of that? And I believe someday he will give the story 
that according to his religion and his people, he had it all. But he couldn't hang on to that to follow Jesus, and he gave it all up to become a follower of Jesus. I want to read one scripture. Won't you stand with me this morning? You'll think the sermon's over. In John 12, 25, Jesus says, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus said, to gain the Christ life, you must give up your own life. Jesus said it in other ways, in other parts, in other scriptures. He, he talked about taking up our cross and following Jesus, denying our own life, um, losing our life that we might gain his life. He talked about the first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus was saying that the losers in this world become the winners in the world to come. Really, the point I would end with is this statement that summarizes it all. Is that the overcomers give up their own lives for the Christ life. The overcomers give up their own lives for the Christ life. I don't know about you. And what it is that you are called to walk away from. Follow Christ. And I don't guess any of us are going to be in the place that Nicodemus was. But we all have something that we must give up. That we must lose in order to gain Christ. And the Bible says someday heaven will reverse Everything in this world. And the losers will become the winners. Amen. I'm going to pray. I have, a few, I have like two minutes of announcements at the end. So if you'll stay with us. I do want to say that uh, I'm going to be at the front if you're here in person. And uh, would like to visit with me. Uh, you can come forward and we can talk. If you know that you need to cross that line of faith, if you need to walk away from your life, whatever that is, to gain Christ's life, I'd love to talk with you. Uh, I and Byron and Cricket are also available. If you're watching online, there'll be information. You can reach out to us. We have our cell phones. You can reach out to us however you choose to by any kind of message. And if you just need somebody to pray with. But... I want to pray this morning, and then if you'll just stay with me for just a minute or two. Father, today, uh, we thank you that Jesus is worth more than anything else in this world. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to hold loosely uh, those things that in our flesh we look to for security. And so, Father, we, uh, we choose to follow you. And, Father, we choose to store our treasure in heaven instead of on this earth. 
And so, Father, we pray that you would be honored uh, as we honor you more than anything else. And, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, before we're dismissed, just real quickly, um, I think you know this, but if you're giving offerings, if you're in person, there are offering boxes at the back. Thank you for your faithfulness in that. Obviously, if you're watching uh, on the live stream, you can drop it off at the church. You can mail it. Uh, you can also do online giving. Very easy to do. Uh, hey, this week, we are, we've had a great week with our community outreach center, the remodel of our adult wing. This week, we will be painting. This is one of those uh, times that we said, no, our people, we're not subbing this out. Our people will come and paint. We're going to be painting mornings, 8 to 11. By 11, it's, it's pretty toasty in there. So we're going to come early and start uh, all this week until, we, until it's done. So if you can come and help us paint, we would appreciate that. Um, we are also, uh, someday we're going to reintroduce uh, our children's life groups and, and other things, nursery and that kind of thing. But we need you to begin to gear up for that time because we've, our volunteer system has been down. We, we're not functioning at this point. Understand that we're going to have to get that back up and running. And so I know we have some life group teacher slots that we have needs in uh, and just know that we're going to have to start gearing up for that. The final thing is uh, this is a regularly scheduled family conference day, but we don't have any business to entertain. And so we're not going to have family conference today, but there is a financial report from last month and minutes from last month's uh, family conference out in the foyer if you'd like to pick that up. So anything else? Your pastor loves you. More importantly, Jesus loves you. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. You are dismissed.